GAA Sports Desk. Brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin. GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. In studio this evening, myself, Peter Browning, and doing a solo show this evening with Katie Scanlon producing. And we begin by thanking Hugh and the Live Drive team for getting you home safely this evening. Live Drive is going to be back on air tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Now, we have a packed show coming up over the next hour or so. In the second half, we're going to be hearing from Kathleen Colrevi, who recently picked up the GA President's Award. We're also going to be hearing from Nigel McCarthy. He reflects on a good victory for the Dublin ladies footballers over Monaghan, which edges them extremely close to a place in the Lidl National League semi-final. Before that, we're going to look back on the men's footballers who uh, relinquished their Allianz League football title. They were beaten by Tyrone at Crow Park on Saturday evening. But before that, we're going to look at a fantastic victory for the Dublin Hurlers, beating Tipperary down in Semple Stadium for the first time since 1946. We're going to be getting the views of Conor McKeown, uh, Michael O'Grady, the chairman of the Friends of Dublin Hurling, and we're going to be getting the view of Andy Cunningham uh, as well. If you want to contact us in the studio, you can. The text line here, 087-977-1032. You can email us, gasportsdesk at dublincityfm.ie. Or you can head over onto our Facebook page, which is GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. But indeed, we are going to begin in Thurless last Saturday evening. That brilliant victory from the Dublin Hurlers that earns them their place in the National League semi-final. 121 to 23 points. After the game, I spoke with Dubs boss, Matty Kenny. Matt, any Kenny coming down to play Tipperary in Temple Stadium is going to get a massive challenge. So to come out with a victory, you must be very satisfied this evening. Yeah, look, it's it's um, you know it's just good to get on the road. Uh, coming down, coming down to Turles, obviously, uh, any time is a difficult a difficult assignment. And uh, Tipperary, you know, we're in great form last week against Tipperary. Like you know the you know the the, the scoring power step up front is, is, is frightening at times and uh, we're conscious of that like and but we, we had our own kind of work on to come down and things we had to you know achieve for ourselves and uh, you know I was delighted with the performance the guys put in and uh, the way they stuck to their task and uh, the way the uh, you know kept hurling and, and, and kept probing kept getting the scores coming down the stretch so uh, yeah overall uh, happy with the performance but I think the most important thing it uh, gives us another game of the league and that's uh, I think that's important for this group that uh, we um, we get as many of uh, these uh, high quality games as we can and you went in four up the break but Tip had that kind of period of five scores in a row to get it back level but you responded well to that even though they were coming at you strong your team kept coming yeah we brought we brought a lead in, in at half time but uh, as we came out Tip started very quickly and they wiped it away uh, within a few minutes and uh, so there's 30 minutes there where it was you know to score for score uh, in all the second half but look at you know we every time Tip got a score we went up and got a score the other end we worked some good scores into the breeze and uh, we managed to keep our noses ahead and uh, and uh, we we um, we held on in uh, in, the, in the finish coming down the stretch which we were uh, we were delighted with. Did Tip teach you a couple of lessons in the first half? They had, I think it was nine or ten wides into that breeze. The ball seemed to be kind of carrying wide. You guys weren't making those kinds of mistakes in the second half. Was that something you kind of picked up on? Yeah, we, you know, we, we, you know, we, we talked about half time. You know, about in parts of giving the scoreboard ticking and, and uh, tried to work it into the scoring zone a bit more. And, and 
not, not taking not taking too many shots from outside the zone and uh, in fairness to guys their decision making was spot on in the second half and uh, they showed cool heads uh, under pressure and uh, as I say worked a, f a few valuable scores at a valuable time for us and I suppose looking at Dublin over the last 18 months it's been kind of moral victories last year this year since you've come in the game against Tip the game against Waterford I should say and then the game today close games but you're getting on the right side of the scores which again must be, must be great for the players and for your smile yeah team. like look at the as you know as top level sport and margins are very uh, very tight at time and look at in any of these games a bounce of the ball one way or the other can can, can maybe decide the game and look at, we're, we're delighted that you know the, in a few of the tight games this year we've got our noses uh, the right side of the of the line and uh, it's good for the group and good good for everybody involved and you've said to me anytime I've spoken to you after games that the National League is important it's a competition you'd want to go as far as you possibly can in uh, an excellent test next week to be to be taken on the All-Ireland champions who are in good form yeah, and you know it's, it's it's not about winning the league or winning the matches, about just getting these extra games this time of the year. Uh, you know, the the club month can be difficult to handle. Like, and you know, we want to stay in the league uh, for uh, for as long as we can. You know, to, to be able to build our, our, build our, our style of hurling, build our systems, and test it against the top teams. And uh, thankfully, uh, that's working out so far for us. And Michael Kenny and Wexford both having their last games in the league today. You'd want to, you know, have that extra couple of games that they are not going to have. Yeah, but they're you know them them teams are together a lot lot longer and like you know you know Wexford are going very well under Davy and like you know, and, and Brian Cody's a long long time with Kilkenny so you know their groups are are, are well bedded in and uh, we're still trying to bed ours in so uh, you know that's why I think they're particularly important for us to get that extra game or two. That's Dublin hurling manager Matty Kenny. Now I also heard from Liam Sheedy, the tip boss. He spoke with the media after the game. I thought we sort of had our had our had our you know finger on the pulse at that stage. Um, but didn't really feel we found rhythm in that first half. We went in four points down and, you know, to be fair to Dublin, they were probably full value for it. But we probably did have some chances in that first half that we didn't take, that we'd expect to take. And that would be disappointing. But, you know, we had a chat at half time. We didn't feel that we were in a, like there was a strong breeze there. So we didn't feel we were in a really, really bad position. And we came back out and within, you know, a few minutes we had it back to 13 all and thought we might push on. But, you know, it was a day we really struggled to find the ball between the posts. Um, you know, we had 18 wides, I think they had six. Um, you know, if you're going to miss the target 18, times generally you're going to pay a price for it and um, you know Dublin I thought were spirited I thought they showed the greater hunger uh, on the pitch I thought they, they outworked us uh, over the course of the 70 minutes and from our point of view that's very very disappointing Was but, there a difficulty uh, out there to hurl though? No I, didn't, I wouldn't blame any conditions you know it's, uh, it's you know any day or playing hurling in January, February, March you know we're Conditions were better than the Warrigan clear and we heard the finest. So, um, you know, we don't have any complaints. Um, to Matty Kenny and his team, they came down, they had a plan. Um, they, they, you know, they, they hit us hard in the air and won, won good ball in the air and um, we're winning the breaks. So, you know, when you're winning breaks, you're winning the ball in the air and you're, and you're winning, you know, you're winning the tackle counts. You're generally in a really good place and we paid a heavy price. But look, you know, I think we had chances, you know, we didn't convert them. That's something we can work on. So it's head down, you know, I suppose, look, you know, we were unfortunate in this league, you know, we lost three matches by by the narrowest of margins and um, you know uh, I think we've shown patches of our play throughout the league that shows that the, the capabilities in this team but you know we've over the next number of weeks we've got to find our consistency or, or we'll find ourselves in a similar position to where we found ourselves last year. On a positive note you've Brendan Marek back. Yeah great to get Brendan getting in, getting in on the pitch you know I suppose he's, he's had a long uh, road to recovery you know I suppose he's been hugely disciplined in terms of uh, in terms of his approach so you know very very suppose, delighted for him personally to get him onto the pitch and it's good for the squad and it's good for the team and you know he stood over a free there later on and struck it over the bar so uh, yeah it's good to have Brendan back and I suppose he's a big few weeks ahead of him now hopefully we can you know we, we all have to knuckle down now and get ready for championships so uh, that's that's where we're at now. Mm. 
I would just sum up the league overall. Disappointing overall? Ah, look, I mean, I suppose this time last week I didn't think we'd be in a quarterfinal, you know, and I thought maybe when we were in here, you know, we had a chance of getting on another step and, um, you know, we would have probably liked to have taken another bit of match. But look, overall, I think I've seen throughout the league, I've seen enough to know that, you know, if we find our, find our flow for long periods in, in games, we have a real chance. So uh, I'm very happy with the group I have assembled. Uh, you know, we have had flashes that show me that, you know, if, if, if we play to our potential at various times, we'll be trouble for anyone. And uh, if we don't and we don't, we don't, we don't get, get, get to the level and, or, the, or the pitch that we expect of ourselves, uh, we're going to be in trouble. And uh, for long periods today, we never got to the level that we expect to play to, and that's disappointing. So we just knuckle down, we go back, and we, and we get going again. You know. And that is Tipperary manager Liam Sheedy. Now, to get a bit of the reaction to the game, earlier on this evening, I spoke with Herald journalist Conor McKeown. Heading down uh, to Thurless on Saturday evening, it was more in hope than expectation from a Dublin supporter's point of view. There was some talk of, you know, big Tipperary wins against Dublin in the last decade and would this be another one? But it turned out to be uh, to not be the case at all. A great victory for Dublin uh, in the league quarterfinal. Yeah, very significant victory, Peter, um, in a lot of ways. But I suppose the fact that they didn't let that... Um, <coughs> You know that historical tendency to underperform and to be you know, badly beaten in in Torles, um, to affect them in any way. That was really the most impressive thing because um, you know you can tell in the past that when Tipperary has got on top of them in Torles, it, it has kind of it has triggered a bit of a reaction, like a poor reaction from Dublin. They kind of lie down and take their beating a little bit, like how they used to uh, like how they used to play against Kilkenny, um, you know, years ago. But um, no, it was incredibly, incredibly. Uh, Impressive for a few reasons. You know, I don't think four points was that big a lead given the wind at half time, and it probably didn't reflect Dublin's dominance. Um, and then the second half, you know, after four minutes, that lead was wiped out, and you were thinking, here we go again. But every single time, it barely got level. Uh, Dublin pulled the score out of the bag, and there's something very methodical about the way Dublin moved. Like, it's almost like they're playing to set pieces the whole time um, when they have the ball. And then when they defend, they just have really really good defenders you know like again Sean Moore and Owen O'Donnell were, were, were Herculean the other day and I think Chris Crummy wasn't too far behind and even a young man like Dara Gray who only made his league debut this year he he was in the corner mark and Bubbles O'Dwyer one of the most talented forwards in the country and he kept them scoreless so look there was any number of reasons why it was a really really and the fact that they saw it out as well you know like you know, history is littered with Dublin teams getting close to those sort of results and then not finishing it off but the fact that they did uh, I think that was that was incredibly uh, impressive as well. And I suppose uh, in terms of style of play, you know, there was there was a mix of scores from quite a long way out. That, you know, Sean Moran got one, Owen O'Donnell got one, but then there was also the the element of playing it out from the back, which I suppose they've been trying to do with Maddie Kenny. They mixed and matched, and uh, they were able to get uh, the result because of it. Yeah, like there's no ball that gets wasted. Like there was a couple of high wire acts, particularly in the second half, when they went short with bookouts and tried to run the ball out of defence. But um, you know, that's what you practice for. That's that's. You know that's the way teams play hurling nowadays. They don't just hoof the ball aimlessly up front, and Dublin don't really have the sort of players that it would make much sense to hoof it aimlessly up front. So, um, yeah, like the long range scores were there because uh, Sean Moran in particular strikes the ball so well, and they had to win. I wouldn't have had Owen O'Donnell down as being a particularly clean striker, but he, he hit that point absolutely incredibly uh, well out of the sweet spot. Um, but I suppose the variety in Dublin's attacking is, is something new as well. Like um, you know, they were obviously without Liam Rush, who who had a couple of big games for them in the previous games against Leash and Waterford. But um, you know, in the second half, they brought on Paul Ryan, who got two great points um, at a time of the match with Tipperary. Small bit stretched and trying to equalise. They brought on John Hederton at half time. He went to centre half forward straight onto Paddy Marr. He caught two or three puckouts, big important puckouts in the second half, and Dublin got something off that. 
Keane Bowling came on then as well. And he got two points. I think he was probably playing the majority of his hurling in, in, in a three-man midfield. But again, you know, that's, that sort of impact on the bench wouldn't be something that uh, would have associated with Dublin um, very much. So, um, yeah, like they have a bit, like, you know, they, they look incredibly well affected. You know, they look like a team whose um, who game plan is starting to unveil itself because, um, you know, as I said, each time the Tiberi levelled, they were able to pull a score out of the hat and it was a little bit like how they closed out the, the leash in the Waterford games, you know. It was, it was something very methodical about the way Dublin played last Saturday. Talk to me a little bit about um, Oshino O'Rourke and Eamon Dillon. He, maybe Eamon Dillon in particular had a frustrating maybe start to the game. Uh, he wasn't getting too much luck in terms of getting on the ball, but he grew into the game and the two of them uh, appeared to have good good matches. Yeah, well, I think Manny Kenny's going to play with a two-man inside forward line this year. Um, you know, what, what, what will happen then would be that one of those players will probably, Liam Rush, will, will drop back down to the half-forward line and Dublin will play with three midfielders, one of whom will probably go to centre-back when Sean Moran drops in to be a sweeper. So, um for the most part, if you have forwards like Game and Dylan and Oshino O'Rourke, you know what they need is space. They don't need other players around them, even if the teammates kind of clutter their space. And you could see how Dublin played that angled ball into the corners to both of them, um, and the space that they had. Um, particularly O'Rourke, O'Rourke is very good. If he gets a ball in space, even if his man is very tight, he will uh, he will be able to cheek away and make space and get a shot on. But Dylan is slightly different in that you want him coming uh, with pace onto the ball. And in the first half, uh, I thought Cahill Barron had a brilliant game in the corner. And a lot of times when, when Dylan was getting on the ball, he was slipping, he couldn't turn as quickly as he could. But in the second half, then when Paul Ryan came on, he went out to the half-forward line. Uh, and he wasn't really winning ball, but he was feeding off the likes of John Henderson and Danny Suckett. And, you know, if he gets on the ball, running in the straight line, he's very hard, he's very hard to catch because his pace, pace is electrifying and he has this kind of very low, powerful centre gravi- of gravity and he's hard to knock off the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's all about fine margins. That's what Matty Kenny was, was saying afterwards. Uh, last year, we saw those those tight games going against Dublin. This year, although it's still obviously only very early in the year, uh, games against Waterford and Tipperary have gone in Dublin's favour. Uh, how much of a, a confidence boost can that give to a team uh, looking towards the summer? Well, it's massive. Like By the time last year ended, albeit Dublin didn't result-wise have a great summer, I think Pat Kilroy had distilled Dublin's problems down into a couple of things. They didn't have the ability to close out matches, whatever that meant, you know, producing a play in the last minute or killing time if you were ahead. Uh, that cost Dublin a big way. And they gave away many scoreable frees. And I think this year Dublin are tackling in a much more disciplined way. Um, but, it, you know, I'd love to know how much of it is kind of orchestrated, you know, because the game against Waterford, you know, Dublin suffered four sucker punches, really bad blows, and were able to pull it off. Albeit, you know, they relied on Alan Owens to play the penalty in injury time. Against Leaf, when Dublin couldn't buy a score or even string two passes together for, for long periods of it, um, there was a bit of a change up front, and Danny Suckliffe went to full forward, and Dublin got two points to win it later on. And the same thing happened last Saturday. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there, there's an awful lot of this is coming from the line, and, and um, you know, Kenny's changes are working very well in matches. It's not just a case of taking a guy off because he's not playing well and, and putting another fella like him on and hoping he'll play better. I think Dublin changed it up a small bit more than they used to. Uh, and at the moment, and I think because it's pretty fresh, opposition teams don't really know how to react to it. But, you know, for all that, it still comes down to execution, you know, and you have to give the Dublin players an awful lot of praise for that because um, in those three matches, they've shown very clear heads and very pressurised situations. 
And I suppose May 11th is, is the big date, you know, heading down to Nolan Park to take on Kilkenny. They'll get to a chance to run out in Nolan Park this weekend, but Limerick are a different kettle of fish from maybe any other county, obviously coming in as All-Ireland champions, and they have impressed this spring as well. So um, how can how can Sunday even, I should say, go for Dublin? Well, I wouldn't rule it out, um, you know, at this stage, a Dublin win, because, it, you know, as good as Limerick have been, like, they've had a couple of games where they haven't been kind of quite as good. Um, now, they have a huge array of options, and they haven't dipped in any way. Because I saw them in Nolan Park that day against Kenny, and they were awesome. Um, and physically, they were, they were a much bigger and fitter team than Dublin. Um, but it's a perfect test for Dublin. Like, it's a, it's a shot to nothing. They've already got what they needed out of the league. They've already top Division 1B. They've already got a big scalp uh, in Tip and Thurlis. Um, and if they were to make a league final, that would put the chair like that would make it a, a superb league, you know, a very unexpectedly superb league. But you know, they go down without any great inhibitions. I can't see Dublin being taken apart. You know, it comes back to the it comes back to the thing about the defence. Like I, I, you know, Limerick would probably say something about this themselves, but I think Dublin are getting close to having the best defence in hurling at the moment. You know, if you've got Keane O'Callaghan and James Barrett back into that backline, uh, along with Paddy Smith, Don O'Donnell, uh, Chris Crummy, and Sean Moran. I think that's the best defence in hurling just now and, and they have a good understanding with Alan Nolan there as well who, to be fair to him, in a second coming as an intercounty keeper when it looked like he was finished after the Jer Cunningham regime, um, is playing really, really good stuff and, and, and keeping Sean Brennan out of the team. So, you know, I think if you have a, a, a set of backs like that, you'll always be competitive um, providing you're not in a situation where you can't win the ball out the pitch um, and the and the ball keeps raining in on top of you. Like in that sort of situation, you're just going to get crucified regardless. But you know, Dublin are methodical enough that they have ball winners at the pitch. They can go short with their bookouts. They can walk it through the line, and that means they'll kind of break even roughly when it comes to possession over the course of seventy minutes with any team in Ireland. Um, and if you break even possession-wise, and you have a set of backs with Dublin, I think you're going to be competitive in every game. Albeit, you know, I do think Limerick have a, a bit more up front than Dublin do. Absolutely, yeah, a very interesting game to look forward to. Now, moving from from hurling to football, uh, I appreciate you obviously went to Croke Park on Saturday evening, but uh, another defeat for the Dublin footballers. Uh, you know, some people are starting to talk about the the demise of this Dublin team. Obviously, it's very early in the year; some players still missing. But are there slightly worrying signs for Jim Gavin and his squad? Well, only Jim will know that because um, you know an awful lot of what we see in the league. You know, there's kind of there's mitigating factors that we don't know, uh, whereas Jim will know. I wouldn't have paid very much heed to the Monaghan or the Kerry defeats. Um, the Monaghan one was too early in the year for Dublin uh, to produce anything like their best. The Kerry one, you know, Dublin still nearly nicked it at the end despite the fact that it was in Tralee and Kerry had done an awful lot more training. But, you know, this is the stage of the league where under Jim Gavin, Dublin just haven't lost games and they were, you know, they were very, very poor on Saturday night. There was no denying that. Um, you know, they looked like they lacked energy. They looked like they were tactically beaten. They didn't seem like there was any particular uh, motivation on the line to change things up they looked like they were surprised by what Tyrone produced on the night and they were pretty passive when it came to um, you know responding to Tyrone who were very very physical and, and in some ca- cases slightly indiscipline um, a lot of things that you don't really associate with Dublin now, you know it, it's hard to know what that all comes from because it all manifested itself in a, in a single performance so you're in a situation now where Dublin aren't in the league final for the first time uh, since Jim Gavin took over. And that in itself is something different uh, in a summer when, um, or in a year when Jim Gavin will have been very keen to keep things as 
as similar as they have been for the last few years. Now, you could argue that it will create a different dynamic that Jim can use as a big stick to beat fellas with or to certainly motivate them to give a little bit more of themselves, you know, at a time when they've given so much over the last five or six years that, you know, naturally your motivation or even your energy levels have to be waning. But, um, you know, if you just take it as to what's wrong with Dublin from a from a very, um, I suppose, straightforward point of view, they're missing defenders at the moment. Like, they're, they're missing them in terms of personnel, but they're also missing, um, you know, they need another defender like a 25-year-old Mick Fitzsimons. They need a Rory O'Carroll kind of fella for the edge of the square because that is where teams are starting to go after. Um, uh, and they're probably missing something maybe a little bit different up front. I thought Cormac Costello was going to give it to him after a brilliant start to the league. Um, but uh, he, he was obviously injured the last day. And they probably need another man in midfield. So, like, there's like there's huge areas for improvement with Dublin. But um, you know, whether it's a sign if there's any sort of slippage, there probably isn't. But I think what's pretty obvious is that Dublin's chief rivals, particularly Kerry and Tyrone, uh, are going to be a hell of a lot better this year than they were last year. And that in itself will mean that Dublin will have to improve. And did you have a feature in today's Herald about uh, Rory O'Carroll? I suppose it's refreshing that we're not talking about Dermot Connolly coming back. Rory O'Carroll, though, is, is there a chance, realistically, that you would see him coming back after so many years uh, out of the senior out of senior football? Well, I don't know. First of all, I don't know whether Rory have any interest. Um, Rory's not the sort of fella who'd be kind of too dazzled by the bright lights of what's down the road this year with Dublin. Um, you know, you have to remember that Rory <laughs> Rory made a senior debut for Pat Gilroy in 2010 in the championship, and then told him before the second round game or before the Leinster final that he was heading off to he was heading off to um, uh, Southeast Asia you know for the rest of the summer with his friends which is fine like you know a lot of students do that but not very many of them have made their senior inter county debut the previous week and then in 2011 he went off to France for the entire uh, spring um, doing a bit of studying when he, he probably could have stayed at home and got straight back into the team and then after winning three All-Irelands he decided he'd move to New Zealand so like Rory has an independent streak, a ferocious independent streak. Um, and if he decided that he was going to come back and just play with his club, that's all he's going to do. There'd be nobody to convince him otherwise. If he decided he was going to come back and play hurling with Dublin, he'd definitely end up doing that. There's no two ways about it. But by the same token, you know, Rory wouldn't necessarily accept the limitations being placed in front of him if he did want to come back. If somebody said, well, you haven't played inter-county football in three years, how do you think you're going to come Like Rory wouldn't see it like that at all. And I think the, the the position that he plays in as well, and the way he plays that position, you know, be, it's a little bit different if you're a corner forward and you're losing with a pace, or you're a midfielder and you're losing, you know, you've lost that bit of athleticism to get around the park. But Rory's game is, he's built for destruction. You know, that's what he does. He he goes out and he tacks the ball. He's a kind of he's a Doberman at the edge of the Dublin Square. Um, and if Jim Gavin wanted him to come back in. Uh, and Rory was of a mind that he was motivated to do so, I wouldn't see too many problems with it. Um, he might not be Dublin's starting fullback this spring, but I think in a situation where he's there and on the bench and he's an option, I think it, it would probably deter a lot of teams from taking the route that they have done in the last few years. Like if you go back to last year, James Stafford scored a goal for, du- for Wicklow against Dublin and Port Leash uh, with a high ball that he fisted into the net. Um Tony Kingston got a huge bit of mileage um, with early direct ball to the edge of the square in the Leinster final. The All-Ireland semi-final, Damien Comer got a very, very similar goal. And in the All-Ireland final, Dublin conceded a needless penalty. So, like, teams are going after that. And that's where that's where 
uh, Tyrone had an awful lot of joy on Saturday night. And I think if Rory O'Carroll is there in the squad and he is a live option, um, I think it gives Dublin a small bit more level of comfort when it comes to teams going after that method of attack this summer. And indeed, another season it seems where we're going to be talking about players who may or may not be coming back into the Dublin panel. And my thanks as ever to Connor for joining me on the show. Now we'll be going back to football a little bit later on. We're going to be hearing from Brian Talty. He's going to be giving us a rundown of all of the games in Division 1 and the permutations uh, heading into the final round of games. But we're going to go back to the hurling. Earlier on this evening, I caught up with regular contributor Andy Cunningham. I believe it's 1946 since the Hurlers last beat Tipperary down in Sample Stadium. They've had some really poor results against them, particularly in the last four or five years. So this would have been a confidence-boosting victory on Saturday evening. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, uh, I suppose Dublin travelled down, you know, but in fairness, Tipperary would have been favourites. Uh, it's always hard to beat in their own ground. And after coming back off a huge win against Cork the week before, and played uh, excellent and shot some great scores. But uh, I think Dublin knuckled down great. Uh, I thought, you know, in, in the first half, it, it was nip and tuck. Uh, wasn't great first half. I, I thought it was the conditions weren't great. The, the pitch, which surprisingly, Torlis, you would expect the better conditions down in Torlis, wasn't great. Uh, few, uh, lot, the players were hard to find the feet. But I think the second half was a, a tremendous game. Uh, you know, even for the neutral guys, uh, it was a great game. And I thought. Uh, you know, with Dublin going in four points at half time, and then Tipperary after seven eight minutes just leveling it up. You know, you'd wonder uh, is it the same old story here? But no, Dublin knuckled down, and uh, I, I thought they were excellent in the second half, and uh, and their commitment uh, and. Uh, the fighting, you know, the, the, the way they fought for each other, I thought was tremendous. Yeah, and, and as you say, it's completely opposite. Like a lovely evening tonight, 14, 15 degrees. It was three or four degrees. The wind was biting cold. Tipperary, though, in the first half, they seem to be trying to force the issue a little bit. The, the one thing you would say from a Dublin point of view is we gave up a lot of scoring chances in the first half, but Tip hit, I don't know, I counted maybe eight or nine wides in that first half period, and, and it might have been a different story if they'd maybe worked the scores a little bit better. Oh, Tipperary missed a lot, right? you know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but in fairness, Dublin did put them under a lot of pressure. You know, I thought the backs were excellent. And as they have been all through the National League, and they're a very sort of block at the moment at Dublin defence, like uh, probably Barrett missing usually from the, from the half-back line. Uh, he's injured. Uh, he was injured at the moment. Uh, but I think as, as a unit, they're playing very well as, as the goalkeeper. But yes, Tipperary did, like, you, you, like Sheedy would be pulling his hair out and somebody missed. Like, you know, there are misses that these quality players, and they have quality in their forward line, that Tipperary team, they were just missing. Uh, and they did, like, from 14, 50 yards out, and McGrath was, was taken off, uh, I think, by uh, Bubbles Dwyer. Like, these, these are guys that, like, normally, like, are always good for a couple of scores. But in fairness, Dublin defence, I thought they were very tight and solid on the day. And it was good to see, I suppose, a, a bit of a mix-up in terms of our approach play. You know, sometimes it was trying to play it out from the back, and then on other occasions, you know, you saw the Morans and the Chris Crummies this world going for long, stro- long shots from inside their own half and being able to, to score them. So they were able to mix it up a little bit. They were, yeah. If, if it's one sort of criticism I would have is I think maybe Dublin defence do try and play it out of uh, the, the defence too short. You know, like, it, it's great when it works. But, uh, you know, it, it does give the opposition, the forwards, the time to try and to close you down. If you make a mistake, you know, uh, if you give a sharp ball out 30 yards out, you make a mistake, you know, you're, you're surrounded by forwards. If you're getting the ball and driving it 80 or 90 yards up the field, at least, it, you know, if you don't get, get, get your hands on it, it's 80 or 90 yards away from the goal. That's the way I, I would look at it. But look, look, that's the way that they're probably playing. That's the way they're, uh, that they're going to, to play in these games. But, you know, as I say, it, it's a percentage game. If it doesn't come off, you could be in trouble. 
Yeah, indeed. And I suppose a lot of the talk maybe around the, the Dublin team has been maybe question marks at midfield. You know, the, the halfback, fullback line, the goalkeeper is good. And then there's been questions over the forwards as well. But at the weekend, the likes of Oshin O'Rourke, uh, Trollier, Eamon Dillon, you know, they, they did their jobs very well, winning possession very well and taking on their men and, and often beating them and getting some good scores. Well, I thought in the first half, uh, Eamon Dillon, you know, he, Barrett, I thought they did a good job in him. They moved, they moved Dillon into full forward and then they moved him around. But I thought he was absolutely excellent in the second half. He came around away with 1-3. Uh, he got the early goal uh, uh, and, and, then, and then he scored three points. But uh, overall, I thought Ocean Rock was, was probably Dublin's best attacker overall. You know, for a bad night, uh, conditions very poor I thought his first touch was excellent especially in the second half when they probably just Dublin were playing maybe a one inside forward himself maybe two maybe Dylan you know maybe Sutcliffe going in I thought he, he pulled the uh, I thought he pulled the Tipperary defence around the field and every time he went for that ball he looked dangerous and the Tipperary defence knew it come off the, there with uh, an injury with a couple of minutes ago but uh, by far that, like he has been playing well or but uh, by far that was his best performance in the league and I suppose um, you know we, we don't want to obviously build it up too much but the story for Dublin for the last few seasons has been you know, either big defeats or else moral victories against the big counties. But you know, the Tipperary, or the Waterford victory, I should say, and then backing it up with this Tipperary win. I mean, they're, they're they face a very difficult challenge, obviously, at the weekend. But even regardless of what happens on on Sunday, those couple of results should give them confidence heading into the Leinster Championship. Oh, definitely. Now, as I say, it's been it's been a very uh, good uh, national league for Dublin. Like you can see, they 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 top uh, top their division. Uh, then beating Waterford, you know, like was a great win uh, when they were under the cosh uh, from early goals in Pinal Park, and they come back to win it. Uh, going down to, and beating Tipperary in the home back. Like you know, it's not many teams do that. But as I say, it is building for the championship, and it gives you confidence. Like new management team in, you know, they're trying to put different structures, new way of playing in, and it's all about confidence building for the championship because like this championship is going to be cutthroat. You know, all you have to do is look at the fixtures. But you know, going down to Limerick or going down to uh, Nolan Park uh, on, on uh, Sunday, you know, look, it's a tough ask. Limerick, you know, for a team that has uh, won an All Ireland after so many years being in the wilderness and they've just been a breath of fresh air in the, in the league you know they've, they are their best team playing the National League at the moment uh, you know that the freshness you know the, 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 the way they go about their business uh, they have a huge panel but look this is what like if, if you would ask Matty Kenny like the start of the season what did he want he wanted to be there on Sunday in the semi-final of a National League playing the All-Ireland Champions and that's what that's what these guys train hard every week for Yeah and, and I suppose you, you know, you we saw the success of uh, of Ballyhale over the weekend. We know obviously Kilkenny is the first game, but Kilkenny are now finished in terms of fixtures. So if, if Dublin could get a good performance and, well, even if they could get a victory, who knows, because it is only the National League that they could get over the line. It'd be massive. Get those couple extra games that the Kilkennys and Wexford won't have. Get the few extra weeks of games at this time of the year. Yes, like if you were to win, it would be fantastic going into a National League final the week after. Uh, you just hope that, you know... <laughs> You know that they've had a great victory. That they can keep it going, and, and like good performances is required to keep the momentum going for the national league or for the for the championship, because that championship will come in very quick. You know that after the national league, uh, they'll be going back to their clubs, the two rounds of the Dublin championship, and you know then that they'll be in three weeks of training uh, for, for a, a vital game against like Henny. You know you'd wonder are they going to pick up any injuries in the, in the Dublin championship? You know so it, it's a it's a tough time. There's no no let up for these players. But look at that's what they want. 
And my thanks as ever to Andy for joining me on the show. Now, we are going to take a break here on GA Sports Desk. My thanks as ever to Andy for joining me on the show. After that break, we're going to be hearing from the chairman of the Friends of Dublin Hurling, Michael O'Grady. Brian Talty is going to be looking back on league football. Nigel McCarthy is looking back on the Dublin Ladies' victory. Do stay tuned. GAA Sports Desk, brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin. And welcome back to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Now we're going to stay with the hurling game. Uh, Dublin's 121-23 to 23 point victory over Tipperary Day at Sample Stadium last Saturday evening. And earlier on this week I caught up with the chairman of the Friends of Dublin Hurling, Michael O'Grady. Any county going down to Thurlis is going to find it very, very difficult. Uh, but they managed to come away with a one-point victory and, and get a place in the semi-finals. Yeah, an extraordinary victory actually. You know, um, Facebook last week somebody wrote saying, I feel a hiding coming on, referring to the match you just saw Tip would be giving Dublin a hiding. Because we've got a few hidings in the past few years from Tip, you know. Last year in Crawford, for example, you know, we actually went to seven or eight points up in the first 10 minutes and then lost by 10 or 12 points. Uh, Tip looked to a different league last year. And Tip looked to a different league, I must say, playing Cork in the league, the, the, the last league match, or second last league match actually, you know. And I would have been happy if Dublin played really well last Saturday, but um, what a performance and what a win. Tip were trying, because Tip only had one good game this year, and they were trying to get two games back-to-back, which you need nowadays, and more indeed to win anything, League or Championship. And so they were trying to win, and so nobody can say it, but that didn't really didn't matter for them. It didn't matter big time. And Dublin came out and went down to Turles and Betham in a competition, I believe, only happened in the past, in, in the 1940s, I'm told, so far back. Yeah, indeed, a, a little bit of, of history credit, I suppose, with this panel, and I suppose the thing we've seen maybe since Pakirori took over last year, and then Matty Kenny this season is, is close matches, but defeats to the big counties. But the, the win against uh, Waterford, now this victory against Tipperary, suggests the team is heading in the right direction. Yeah, two two very good wins, you know, and the, the two teams you mentioned, you know, Waterford are, are Waterford are in the in the um, semi final now as well, if you like, you know. Didn't have a great game against Galway, which was probably the, the worst game we had, really, you know. And uh, but teams are going to have off days, as we know. And uh, but the great great thing is they they have a big chance on next Sunday to play the All Ireland champions. And you know, if you want to test yourself at the best, well, this is the best we're talking about. Limerick have a serious team, have a serious panel of subs as well. So no matter who John Kiley plays next Sunday, will be serious hurdles. So Dublin will have it all to do. But I actually believe Dublin Dublin have a fair old jinx over Limerick in the last ten, twelve years in the league matches. They only lost about once, I reckon, in the last five or six years. And unfortunately, that was in, in Parnell Park, where we had kind of were kind of a fortress for Dublin. But uh, about two years ago, maybe two or three years ago, in the quarter final. But um, Dublin are never afraid of Limerick. They also played them in challenges. So it should be a great game plan. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I suppose looking ahead to the Lens Championship, you know, Kilkenny obviously uh, lost to Cork at the weekend and, and don't have another game now this spring. Um, Wexford were beaten after playing quite well in the first half against Galway. They're, they're out as well. So the couple of weeks extra games or the week as it might be for Dublin of, of an extra game could make that little bit of difference by the time we come to early May and Dublin are playing these counties in the Leinster Championship. Exactly, because it will give them great confidence. They'll have great confidence already, having beaten Walford uh, two weeks ago, and then beaten Tipperary the following week. You know, give them great confidence. And if they play really well next Sunday, and maybe lose by a few points, or win by a few points, even better still, they'll be really good going into a league final. Or, if they lose to Limerick, they'll feel, still feel really good going into the championship, because they'll have really good matches behind them. Matty will know his team, he'll know his first 15, hopefully by then. And uh, it's all guns blazing for the championship. It starts on the 11th of May. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose you've been involved with, with teams down through the years. Is it, at this stage of the year, is it just a case of kind of trying to put a bit of confidence but not too much confidence into the players? You don't want them to get ahead of themselves at the same time as you don't want them losing matches? 
Well, you know, I suppose if you're a Dublin hurler and you're playing against any hurler or Wexford, indeed, you know, you, you'll never be ahead of yourself because people still don't people still don't believe down the country that Dublin are a serious hurling team. And until we win the All Ireland, they will they will still say the same. You know, they just don't feel that Dublin are, are the, the same as Kilkenny or Cork or Wexford. But I, I I beg to differ, and that's why I would see would seriously love to see them beat the Limerick next Sunday, Limerick of all county, which would mean so much to Dublin to win. And um, you know, Dublin won't be overconfident either now or championship because Kilkenny in the championship at Nolan Park, it could go anyway. Yeah. You know, all these matches, uh, Galway and Parnell Park could go anyway. So you know, you could lose all the matches by one point as we did last year in, in three cases, you know. Yeah. Or you could win them all by a point, so hopefully you get the, the run, of, run of the green of the day and maybe a good call by a referee because referees make bad calls that cost matches once in a while. And the cost was a match last year, and it could get a match, the first match. But, uh, yeah, no, I think Dublin are a really, really good place. Playing the semi-final against the in Nolan Park. Probably one of the best holding pitchers in Ireland, actually, because Ferguson has slipped an awful lot recently. It uh, doesn't look good. Goldmouth are very poor, and even the pitcher itself is kind of suffering from something. It doesn't look what it always did, the best holding pitch in Ireland. Northern Park is always a good pitch, so it's a good place to play. And also, it's ideal because they'll be playing Kilkenny there in, the, in eight weeks' time in Northern Park. So nice to get a run out there as well, you know. So it's a win-win for Dublin. Absolutely, and, and I suppose you, you spoke a moment ago about uh, Limerick and the strength and depth that they have, but obviously, you know, they, they had that success at the end of last season and you, you would have been keeping an eye on them, no doubt, this spring. From what you've seen of them, how impressive they've been in terms of the various different players they've used and, and the matches they've won? Well, you know, John Kyle is probably he's playing one player in every line, a different player, sorry, one different player in every line for the last few matches. He doesn't want to affect the whole line, which is the half-back line. He'll bring one fella in with the other two guys there. So it's kind of the team is fairly settled. Uh, he has a serious panel of players now. I would say he is 23 or 24. He has an abundance of forwards, believe it or not. He wouldn't have an abundance of backs. Now, backs are important, but forwards are very important. Forwards win matches at the end of the day. So, um, you know, Jonathan would have no maybe more than two backs to cover the six starters. He would have, I would say, about eight forwards to cover the six starters. That's how strong he is, which is unusual. Normally, with an abundance of backs and a shortage of forwards, but no, Limerick is different. They'll be very hard beaten, but I feel the both of the hunger they had last year, and sometimes that's the difference. The pain of losing last year for Galway will drive them on big time. The pain of Cork will say leading Limerick by seven or eight points with, with ten minutes to go and being caught. The pain of Kilkenny indeed losing to Limerick in, in, in the quarter final, you know, got um, a point up a minute to go and Limerick won by two points. So lots of teams would have would have the pain of not winning last year because the hurting is superb, and they all want to win. So I honestly couldn't tip anybody, but I think they may have a good chance, but definitely they would find it really hard to go all the way again because of having won last year, it was so difficult to win a second year. Absolutely. Very finally, Michael, uh, for supporters who are looking to try and get down to Nolan Park on Sunday, is, is there a bus going down? Yeah, we have buses going down. It's on the website, fodh.ie. Uh, in details and summaries, leaving the um, uh, Conley Station at 10.30, leaving um, the... the um, Raccoon at 11 o'clock. There's a number actually, you better check the way I don't have it here in front of me now. We would change the number um, uh, by 11 o'clock and we're staying for the two matches. So we'd come back straight after the second semi final. I expect we'll have two or three bus loads. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock is the deadline. Check the 4 It's also on Facebook. 
for the, the actual phone number for to book the bus. And my thanks as ever to Michael for speaking to me on the show. Now, as one of our senior men's teams tries to win a National League title, we know that another one of our senior men's teams won't be the footballers. We're beaten by Tyrone over the weekend, which means they can't reach the league final now. They can't defend uh, that title. And earlier on this week, I caught up with Brian Talty to get his view on the goings-on in Division 1. I think it's probably fair to say that was a disappointing performance from Dublin on Saturday evening, a defeat to Tyrone, and they have relinquished their National Football League crown. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the boys would be disappointed with the performance itself more than, I suppose, the defeat. But uh, I just get the feeling that some of the lads are not just up to speed yet, you know. And I, I think, you know, some of them came back late, and Dublin started training late as well. And um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be over, overly worried, Peter, to be honest with you, with the league. But I'd say the lads will, will have a look at some of the weaknesses that were showing up and. What a great time to show up if there's any weaknesses showed up this time of the year. And, uh, you know, Tyrone might have been better off holding what they did last Sunday till later on in the year with Dublin. But uh, certainly, um, you know, there's lessons to be learned from it. And I'm sure the lads will be working hard on that. Yeah, indeed. And, and I suppose, you know, Jim has talked about not taking the league maybe too seriously this season. But in previous years, it's always a competition he's done well in. I think they haven't missed a final since he's been in charge. So does that suggest that the big target for them is, I suppose, the Super 8s and eventually trying to build towards five All-Irelands in a row? I suppose, even though they won't say it, to be honest, you know what I mean? Like, you can create history by being the first team uh, to, to get five All-Irelands in a row. And certainly that has to be there. And, and you know even if it's not being talked about with the lads, there's a lot of talk about it and, and little bits of it rub off and it probably would be in the lads' heads, you know. So uh, that might create a little bit of pressure in itself, but look, they're good enough to do it. They've, they've taken pressure of three in a row or four in a row, you know. So um, I don't think there'd be any problem with that, you know. But I think maybe maybe their time in the run a little bit later this year, you know. So, um yeah, it'll be interesting. And then the other thing is, you know, some of the other teams in Division 1, their fitness levels would be a lot higher than Dublin would be now at the moment because, you know, I said to you earlier, Dublin started later. But but I think they'd be more worried about some of the some of the things that were showing up on Sunday by, by, by Tyrone, you know. But, um, like, I, I watched the match and in the early stages, I was saying to myself, Tyrone are kicking an awful lot of ball in there and it's it's been cut off and... You know, you said to yourself, were some of the the balls that went in that looked marvellous, were they lucky enough as well? But but it is a lesson for Dublin, you know, that, that people are targeting getting that ball in there quicker and, um, you know, so, so there's no better lads than the men in charge to actually work on that and tighten all that up. Yeah, indeed. And I suppose, um, just before we move away from the game, that, that has probably been an area of, of concern or certainly an area that other teams think Dublin are perhaps weak in. You know, it seems like teams have been targeting it and we've talked about it on the show before, you know, Kerry a couple of years ago going in and getting those couple of goals before half-time in the All-Ireland semi-final and Leash putting Tony Kingston on the square. Wicklow got a goal against us last year, you know, penalty conceded in the All-Ireland final. Undoubtedly, it seems like if there's to be a, a weak, weaker, I should say, area of the pitch for Dublin, it might well be in that full-back line. But like, I suppose, like, and I suppose Gola put Damien Comer in there as well and he caused trouble. But like, like if the ball goes in there, it does cause trouble because it's, it's the dangerous spot to have the ball going in and to have it going in there quickly. And if you have men in there that can actually win the ball, you know, it does cause trouble. But, you know, in fairness to Dublin, like, you know, everybody tried it on them and they've been saying it over the years after weak spot, it's weak spot. But look, if the ball gets into a full back line quickly and they're only one on one, it is, it is, it is a difficulty for the full back line, you know, and, some of the problems can happen out the field, you know, where fellas are not maybe working as hard as they normally work. They're not winning the ball. The ball is being turned over. And, you know, <clears throat> the problem then shows up 
at the at the last line of of defence really, you know. So so it's it's not really the guys that are there that are the huge problem. It's it's a kind of a team thing, and you know Dublin came up with the answers to all of that over the years. You know, uh, I'm sure I suppose they started with Keno Sullivan slipping back in there. You know, you had like say Murphy, and you know. Um, Maybe there is a solution in that one as well, but you know every, everybody else has to take you know a little bit of blame as to what happened last Sunday in the sense that maybe their work rate wasn't up as high as it should be, um, there was a good good few turnovers in the tackles, and you have to give credit to Tyrone on this one as well that they got their matchups very, they got them right, you know, and they also they they also tackled so hard out around the field, and you never were given a chance on the ball, and that's. Dublin are going to have to put up with, uh, you know, and, and have put up with it over the years, but maybe it's going to be up a little bit this year. Yeah, absolutely. Looking looking elsewhere in Division 1, obviously we're going to have a, a new champion this year. Uh, Kerry are extremely close to getting there. Like, even if they lose the weekend, there's, there's still a very good chance they're going to be in the final. But there's an interesting games involving, obviously, Galway and Tyrone up in Oma, uh, and then Mayo also have a chance of getting there as well. So maybe let's look at Oma first. Uh, th- that promises to be a very interesting game certainly is, you know, and it'll be an interesting one to see, you know, early on in the league when Monaghan beat Dublin in, in the, I think it was the first game, Peter, you know, we were all said, geez, Monaghan are, are flying and, you know, they, they found a new forward in Young O'Hanlon and he's making a difference there and, you know, he's taking the pressure off McManus and we, well, maybe we were, but I was assuming, I said, geez, these are going to go very well in the league and, and we all know Monaghan are a very good team and, and then all of a sudden, they lost a few games, you know, so um, it's it's hard to know with the league, you know, but the, I'm hoping, as a Galway man, I suppose, that Tyrone are not going to put up a performance like they did last week, and, and particularly their full forward line, because Galway could be in trouble up there, but, you know, I didn't think Galway were going to do that well against, against Mayo, because simply because they're missing a lot of players, you know, but they did very well, and, and uh, we saw what Mayo did last week, so... Uh, Galway and maybe now maybe it's too early but maybe some of the Curra Finn lads the likes of Ian Burke and Young Silk and uh, Malloy and these fellas will come back into the team as well as I say a week might be might be too early for them to come in for that game but um, Galway are going to be strengthened up it'll be great to see Galway get the, the, the to get to the league final and they have a right chance now Peter I think so so it's it's uh, it, it, it could be a good performance by Galway. It'll be needed a good performance against Tyrone if Tyrone showed the, the, the sort of what they showed last Sunday in Crow Park. And I suppose for Kevin Walsh, he's faced, again, something we've discussed in the show, but he has faced a lot of criticism. But as the league goes on, you know, they're in second position at the moment. Um, a draw would be, would nearly be, would potentially be enough, depending on what happens with Mayo and Monaghan, for, for Galway to get to a final. A victory would, would definitely get them there. Uh, two league finals in a row in All-Ireland semi-final last year. They've, They've only really been beaten in that period uh, by Dublin and then the couple of defeats in the league this year. So even if it's not necessarily always pretty football, he's got them playing winning football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, everybody and, you know, you listen to the likes of Joe Brawley saying as always tradition was, you know, that they played good football and it was skillful football. It was all of this kind of carry on. Uh, and, and, you know, we probably did. And traditionally, Galway football would be considered that way. But, you know, it's all about winning as well, you know. That skillful football didn't win us, uh, you know, national leagues or win us kind of championships or all Ireland. So, so you know, Kevin is is 
I don't particularly like the way Galway play at the moment, but I think he's adding a little bit to it now, and you can see it with the with the addition of uh, you know the two Daly brothers who are who are sons of Val Daly, who was a massive footballer for Galway, and uh, they're brilliant footballers as well. You know, Shea Walsh is beginning to play closer to the to the opposition goal, and they're adding a little bit. There's a new coach in there as well this year, so so although Kevin does most of it, to be honest. Um, you know they're trying to blend, get the blend right, and I I think they're coming a little bit more towards you know that more attacking football and getting the you know the transition better. Uh, throw in throw in uh, young Silk who drives forward for Corrafin. Throw in young Malai and throw in Ian Burke up in the forward line, and and uh, you know always been playing without Damien Comer as well for the last while. So all these guys are going to come back, and you'd be hoping that you know Galway are going to be a threat and that their football will not be overly defensive it'll be defensive because they need to be defensive and every team does but to get that transition quicker and, and uh, to use the really good forwards and skillful forwards that Galway have Just before I let you go Brian uh, Division one, division 2 I should say uh, Meads sitting atop of it at the moment they're in a again a really good position to potentially get promoted and it's something that Meads have been trying to do for a long time they've been down in, in Division 2 now for over a decade uh, and Andy McEntee has, has not sort of uh, Peter in the bush so to speak you know he's been open he wants to get the team to division one he feels that's where they can properly develop by playing those those big teams they're very close to doing it now that'll be huge for them yeah absolutely I think they take on Fermanagh the next day you know and you know Fermanagh have been criticised as well for the way they play football but you know um, they're, they're, they're up there and they're up at the top of that league as well and, and playing that style of football and, and they think that's the way they should play but Andy McIntyre has done a massive job with Mead now and you know the average age of that Mead team is something around 23 years of age you know so and he, he throws in Graham Riley now every now and again to, to change the game and he, 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 he does that but it'd be great for Mead to get to, to uh, Division 1 and it'd be great to be playing the top teams and you know as Andy says himself they've you know success uh, you know breeds success and they've been very successful in th- this year and, and and being up at the top of that division uh, and you know they could be a better team for it and then going to going on to play in Division 1 will bring them on as well playing against the top teams in the country and you know I think you know we probably all want to see Mead getting back there and getting up at the top and an interesting subplot if, if Mead were to beat Fermanagh Kildare go to Donegal which would then be a straight shootout for the second promotion place you could end up with Kildare and Mead both going up well that's a, it's, it's an interesting one it would be like you know, from from the point of view of Leinster Championship, would good be wouldn't it be good to see, uh, you know, these teams up in Division One again next year and make the Leinster Championship even stronger again? You know, but um, that'll be a tough one. I, I I thought from Division Two, I suppose Kildare would have been my tip to come out of it with Donegal, and and uh, it's interesting that you know, although they've had bad performances in the league, they're up there now, and they're they they could end up, you know, probably in second place. I I expect me to beat for and the, the other match will be an interesting one too. You know, it's interesting that, you know, um, you know, I work in Abbottstown there. I saw Paddy McBrearty out there training the other night. He's he's on the way back as well, and he'd be a big addition now that they have Murphy back. Imagine if they have McBrearty back as well. So, I wouldn't be writing Donegal off either this year. Yeah, indeed, the top of Division 2 is very, very interesting. Now, moving from men's football to women's football, it was a good weekend for the ladies' footballers. They defeated Monaghan out in DCU to all but book their place in the semi-finals of the Lidl National Football League. And I caught up with We Are Dublin's Nigel McCarthy. He was out in DCU to get his view on that game. You were out of the game in DCU. How well did they play? Um, yeah, they played uh, pretty well, yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a good victory. Uh, game was all good over, I think, at half-time. Um in fairness to Monaghan, they did uh, 
they did try to come back into the game in the second half, but you know, Dublin always had them at arm's length, and um, you know, brilliant performance from um, captain uh, Sinead Ahern, uh, who scored three goals and three points um, on Saturday uh, in what was our first uh, start of uh, the 2019 season. Yeah, it's amazing. I suppose we look at players in the men's game and, uh, you know, they come back and, and they're rusty for a few games. You know, they mightn't get up to the level, but she comes back in and, and, and Sinead immediately hits, a, you know, a player of the match kind of performance. Yeah, she did. Um, and like previously, she'd had two sort of very short cameo appearances before that as, as substitute um, in the previous two matches. But um, I wasn't expecting that type of performance, uh, as you say, from her with, with just being her first start. But uh, it just shows you how good a player she is. And I suppose, uh, as we were saying at the start, it sets them up now for a, a place in the semi-final, so it nicely extends uh, the spring period for them. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, although they'll still, still say that Mayo have a mathematical chance of um, sneaking one of those last four spots, but um, they're, they're up against uh, Cork in their next match, and uh, no disrespect to Mayo, but I don't see them beating Cork. So, uh, yeah, it, it does extend uh, the season for them, and needed because of the way the Leinster Championship is, with only two senior sides in it, and literally one match, which would be the Leinster final. Um, if they, you know, if they'd failed to reach the knockout stage of the league, they would have had a really, really long, you know, break between competitive matches at inter-county levels. So, um, yeah, it, it was important uh, that they they got there, and it's great that they did it. You know, in a sort of a season where you know Mick, as he, he normally does, uh, Mick Bowen, the manager, as he normally does in the early rounds of the league, he gives um plenty of players game time has a has a look over you know what's available to them for you know an eye later on in the championship yeah indeed and I suppose that's always the thing for, for Dublin or maybe more so in the last few years as you suggest with the Leinster chapter going a bit weak you know the number of games you're going to get in the summer is one in the Leinster championship and, and arguably arguably Westmead are, are not at the senior level you know they could arguably be, be counted as, a, as an intermediate side so it leaves Dublin with a, a kind of a bit of a void in terms of, of trying to get to see players when you go and try and defend an Ireland title in you know in July, August and September Yeah and, and look it's the right time for, for um, Mick to do it you know because as you say you're not going to get that chance later on um, you're straight into a Leinster final. Okay, they brought in the, the group, the new group stages last year, which meant that they got a couple of games without going sort of basically what was being cold into an All Ireland semi final or quarter final, you know. Um, so at least now that with the group games, they get a few games as well. But again, it's championship. That's not the time to be having a look at players. You have a look at them now. The way that the league structure is set up as well, you know, it's the top four sides that go into semi finals. So you only really need to get that fourth place. You know, so um, it does give him the chance to have a look at these players, you know, and see what's available or what's not available to him, you know. And it also gives him a chance to try out players in, in different positions in case he needs, you know, to fill a gap for a player that gets injured or whatever else. Uh, try, you know, different patterns of play or, you know, or whatever, you know. It gives him the opportunity to do that during the league, particularly, you know, as I say, the, the opening four or five rounds, he can do that. Uh, it'll be getting now. They've, they've uh, two away games coming up against Galway and Cork. Um, again, you know, look with semi-final, all but guaranteed, he's probably going to do a lot of experimentation in those games as well before he finally, you know, picks his, his side and basically decides you'll probably see in the championship. Yeah, and I suppose obviously Cork, we know their pedigree go away into the All Ireland semi-final last year as well, so they're going to be two tough games, and they'll be the kind of games you'd hope would bring some of those less experienced players on a level. Yeah, you would hope that. Yeah, and look, it also gets it also allows him to have a look at these at these teams before you know a potential meeting in the semi final or if they get there the final. So 
So um, at least he'll know, you know, where level wise where he's at uh, in comparison to those two teams. And as you say, it does give him a chance to, you know, uh, pit some of the the less experienced players up against the, these top sides, and uh, you know, see how they perform on the day. And uh, you know, you make you make your you look you make your judgments based over a, a long campaign, not just over one or two matches, but. Um, the ones that he 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 has looked at already, and we probably get a chance against these two sides. Um, he'll know by the end of those two games whether they're, you know, at the level they need to be for a senior level. Maybe just finally, uh, Nigel. I suppose uh, one of the players in terms of the senior team that's been making the headlines, even though it's still only early in the year, is Noel Healy. If she's not sort of tweeting at the tea shook about the nurses, she's uh, talking about her move to Moran Abbey with Cork. That move has obviously taken place at this stage, but is she showing any ill effects of all that kind of stuff? Is she still performing well? No, she's not showing any ill effects. Um, she again another player who, who's been late back into into the squad, didn't play in in the opening uh, couple of rounds of the league, and is basically just getting her match fitness up at this stage. You know, no, they're, they're, you you seen the glimpses of of the old Noel Healy um, against Monaghan um, on last Saturday. You know, look as I say, it's it's match fitness now. I think that's that's what, what uh, the aim is now for Noel. Um, <laughs> the talent has always been there and always will be so I think it's just match fitness at this stage uh, with Noel and um, yeah look she'll be firing off all, all cylinders in the next couple of games yeah absolutely just before I let you go um, Dublin relinquished their Leinster minor crown over the weekend with a defeat to Kildare it seemed like a very a very strong Kildare side yeah it is a very uh, strong Kildare side they've, yeah, they've won titles like that team is basically been together since under 14 uh, level and they've won titles under 14 under 16 they're an extremely accomplished side and an extremely good side so yeah Dublin uh, came up against um, yeah a side that should do things this year uh, not just in Leinster but, but beyond that um, and uh, unfortunately uh, they were just too good for Dublin on the day and a thanks as ever to Nigel for joining us on the show do check out wearedublin.com for all the best in all four codes of Dublin GAA now very finally we're going to go to Kathleen Colreavy she recently picked up the GA President's Awards uh, for ladies football and earlier on this month Suzanne spoke to her Kathleen thank you very much for joining me on the programme Pleasure, Suzanne. Uh, well, look, it's completely my pre- pleasure and I've got to firstly congratulate you on your GAA Presidential Awards for your services to ladies football. Absolutely fantastic achievement. Uh, but before we even talk about the awards, just tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in the GAA? Um, well, I suppose, Suzanne, I was born into a GAA family. My father, I'm originally from Leitrim and my father was was very heavily involved, yeah. as was my mother. She played camogie in her younger days down there, but um, the family, I'm one of a large family, and we moved to Dublin in 1971, 72, sorry, and yeah. um, Daddy got involved then with Bowden and all my brothers, well, they had <laughs> been playing in Leitrim, played football hurling with Bowden. so when I got married and uh, moved to Port Marnock, um, it was inevitable, I suppose, that I'd get involved. I also married into a GA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there was no getting away from it. So exactly. I suppose it was a natural progression. And Nave Marnog was a, a young, vibrant um, club. Yeah. And um, it was, I suppose, as I said, a progression that you would just join. Michael got involved with um, the boys, with the nursery when Brendan started off. Yeah. And then... Um, Later on, 1996, I think, Mick Walsh, 
who had since passed away started up um, a ladies football team. Okay. So I immediately tagged along there <laughs> and I'm, I'm there since. <laughs> You've been involved in every aspect of it from what I've I've heard about you on the with the Nave Murn Oak team with a secretary registrar and even a jersey washer. <laughs> Oh yeah, well. <laughs> well, that's what GAA is exactly about. It's the same people that will organise the games to, you know, to do everything else needed on the day. Yeah, but then again, you you, you can't do it on your own either. There are lots of people that help you and are backup. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you you've worked so long with the GAA. It's probably it's part of your your life and probably your family again. It is. Yeah, it's like a drug. And tell me, you've got you, your daughters are playing with the club. Uh, no, no, she's married now and has a a young. Yeah, yeah. Toddler, so. No. They were part of. Uh, I know that there was some winning teams, and there was some, you know, up along the years with you with your family. Oh yeah, look, it was great. Um, as I said, when the girls started off first, yeah, we just had the one team, and they they were quite. It was an under sixteen team, and they went on then, and they were very young when they won the Dublin, the county, the junior. Yeah. The following year, they won the intermediate, and um, we never actually won the senior, even though we were in, I think, two or three finals. Yeah. But then there was um, some of the girls, like Clean O'Connor, Orlin uh, went on to play for Dublin. Yeah. And they were part of the first All Ireland team in 2003. Brilliant. And at that stage, I was county secretary for Dublin. Okay. I. Um, Got involved there, I suppose, just by going to matches and following the girls and initially started off on a fundraising committee for the county, yeah. a golf classic, and following year ended up being secretary. So I've been on the executive um, of Dublin since. Well, Kathleen, it's absolutely well deserved and thank you very much for joining me on the programme and congratulations on the on the award. And indeed, I'd like to echo Suzanne's sentiments. Uh, very well done to Kathleen and everybody out at Nave Marin Oak. Now, I'm afraid that is pretty much all we have time for on GA Sports Desk this evening. On behalf of the team, myself, Peter Brannigan and Katie Scanlon on sound, have a great weekend and we will talk to you again next Wednesday night. GAA Sports Desk, brought to you by the Herald, every side of Dublin.